Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud. And today we're going to be talking about the full moon in the third decan of Leo. I am joined today by my good friend, Dulcie Cardinal from Canada. How are you doing, my friend? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for joining me today. Dulcie and I go way back from our, our studies in nightlight astrology. So we, we've been uh, talking astrology for quite some time here. I really appreciate the work that she does um, with Astrology Victoria. Um, so Dulcie, tell us a little bit more about yourself, your journey to astrology, and some of the things that you're excited about with um, the work that you do. Yeah, for sure. Um, so as you said, we studied together with Achuta Bhavadas. We were studying Hellenistic astrology with him. Um, I'm living in Victoria now and Ren Butler is here. So I'm also studying archetypal astrology with him. And that's been just a blast. He's super cool and chill and, and very knowledgeable. Um, and I'm running the local astrology group here, Astrology Victoria, with my friend Tatiana Hassan. And we have a YouTube channel, so we do kind of the weekly weather and other topics that we find interesting. And we also host online Zoom uh, astrology chats, just kind of casual chats with people, and um, as well as more formal talks with, with professional astrologers. And since the pandemic, everybody is welcome since it's online. So if you're not in Victoria, definitely feel free to join us. And we have uh, um, Lori Lothian as our next speaker on February 26th, and she's going to be presenting about annual annual perfections. So I'm pretty excited nice. about that. Yeah, it's it's a great group. I, I did a, a talk on the, the fixed stars with uh, Astrology Victoria that you hosted. That was very neat. And I've always, always enjoyed talking with you and Tatiana as well. And it's, it's pretty cool that we can you know, all get together in this digital age now and have a, a, a local group become an international group just overnight, yeah, basically. Right? Like, yeah. that's just the community of astrology is so big and we all kind of know each other and it's, it's a, it's a nice little community. Totally. And, and Ren, Ren Butler is awesome. I have his book, The Archetypal Universe yeah. over here yeah. that I use quite a bit. So that's really neat that you're in, in the same area with a, a prominent astrologer and author such as that as well. So that is very cool. All right. So I am checking in on the chat with all of you. Thank you all for being here with us today. Uh, I'm just going to give a little bit of a roll call for some of our friends that are joining us here, Dulcie. We've got Susanna from Finland. Uh, we have the play of sun and shadow from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Welcome. That's a new name. Uh, Andrea is here from Croatia. Hello, Andrea. Dimfi is checking in from the Netherlands. Lynn is joining us from Vermont. Remco checking in from the Netherlands as well. Another uh, friend from the Netherlands, Cyril, is here. Uh, we've got the Netherlands and, and uh, Finland joining us. Um, awesome. William. Hey, William. William is here from Baltimore. He's an uh, astrologer that we've been chatting with a lot on Instagram with my friend C.V. Henriette and Art of the Zodiac, who is also yes, here today. Oh, William. Yes. Hi, yeah. William. <laughs> so they're both here today. Welcome, oh, friends. <laughs> uh, Fion is here from Ireland. And Tarja is here from uh, Finland as well. Uh, Lynn is freezing <laughs> from wherever she's joining us from. 
Uh, let's see. I think I, I think I got most everybody. Jody's here from sunny South Florida, who is definitely not freezing right now. Everybody's jealous of Jody okay. and the sunshine. Okay. Jackie here from Asheville and Raven joining us from Kansas and Jay Astro Quantia is here from Vancouver Island. Very nice. All right. So thank you so much for joining us today. I really get excited about, um, our international crowd and one late arriver Aaron is here from Iowa as well uh, representing the heartland so very excited to have all of you here today we're gonna be going over uh, the the full moon in Leo um, but before I get to that I just want to give you a heads up well at some business that we're going through here is I, I do have a webinar of Aquarius Deccans coming up on this Saturday February the 12th at 1 p.m. if you haven't uh, signed up for that there's still spots available um, you can check that out at my website, spencermichaud.com. There's also a link to sign up in the description of this video or audio recording. Very excited about that Deccans webinar. We go over things like mythology, fixed stars, tarot. It's just kind of everything Aquarius thrown into the kitchen sink and trying to, to unearth the essence. And everybody's got Aquarius in their chart somewhere. So uh, understand the, um, the Aquarians in your life. And, and Dulcie, you have some Aquarius placements, don't you? Yeah, I'm fairly Aquarian. Yeah. I'm excited. I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome. Excellent. Okay. So you can sign up for that. Um, if you want to support the work that we're doing here today, the first thing you can do is hit that like button for us. That really helps us with the algorithm and gets our, our video out to the most amount of people possible. If you're new to the channel, please hit subscribe. If you'd like to make a material donation to the work that we're doing here, there's a little dollar sign in the chat. That's called a super chat or a super sticker. That will help highlight your comment or your question so that I don't miss it if there's a lot of things going on. So I appreciate all of you. Thank you so much for being here today. Let's get to it. What do you say? Yes. All right, Dulcie, we've got a full moon in Leo 3. We're going to go over a few big picture thoughts here. I'm going to pull up my screen and we'll take a look at the chart. And we are looking at February the 16th, 2022 at 11.56 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we have the sun in the third decan of Aquarius at 27 degrees Aquarius and the moon in the third 10 degree section of Leo at 27 degrees Leo. So any big picture thoughts, Dulcie, before we kind of get into the nitty gritty? Yeah. Uh, the, the first couple of things that that caught my attention, of course, we have the moon on the complete opposite side of the chart as everyone else. Mm -hmm. And um, so she signifies the collective and and nurturing and home and community. Yet she's all alone and in the sun sign kind of taking the place of the sun. Mm -hmm. um, and the second point is that both the sun and the moon are squaring the nodes. So they're both at the bending, kind of the halfway point between the eclipses. So this is recognized as another kind of turning point similar to the eclipses. It's, it's on a, another axis. So it's a, it's a significant moment of, um, of uh, yeah, some sort of turning point or, or shift. Definitely. Yeah, that was something that Michael Bryant um, brought up uh, when he was here talking about the full moon eclipse in Taurus in November, um, that this particular full moon would be very important and connected back to that particular time period as sort of like the fruition of coming to of that particular lunation. 
But um, yeah, I agree. A an important turning point, right? Where uh, the sun is starting to move from the south node towards the north node, maybe in a period of increase, whereas the moon is moving towards the south node here. So we've got kind of this increase and decrease energy happening simultaneously. Um, other things that you're seeing here in this chart? Um, with, well, of course, we see that uh, the um, Mars and Venus are together, and they're together for quite a while, I think, right until March 6th, the beginning of March, oh, no, March 21st. So for quite a while, February 6th to March 21st. So that's right. quite a while that they're dancing together. Um, and uh, yeah, I think, I think uh, the full moon in Leo is, is pretty significant just because we have the moon who is a more kind of yin um, energy in the sign of Leo of, of it's a fixed fire masculine sign. So uh, it's a different form of leadership, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That, that dance that we've got going on with Venus and Mars is interesting, isn't it? Mm -hmm. um, that's going to be one of two conjunctions that are going to be happening within a few weeks. Uh, and this one's happening in the second decan of Capricorn, um, which we can associate with the three of pentacles. Um, I'll show, show this card real quick. I don't know if you all can see this, but this is, I'm going to stop my share for just a second. Here's, this is where the Mars Venus uh, conjunction is happening. And this is kind of a card about uh, getting cooperation from people in your community to build something ambitious, right? An ambitious project of some sort. And here we see the artisan, somebody from the clergy trying to figure out if the, the what we're building has meaning. And then somebody from, I, I think this is from the court or from the government saying, okay, what's, what's the budget? What's the plan? What is all the resources necessary to get the job done? Um, so I think that's really interesting seeing those two planets coming together with, you know, a planet really dignified like Mars, um, which can represent action and, and yang force and that yin energy of Venus um, finally prov providing the, the receptive quality where those two things can interact. One thing I was going to ask you about is one of the stories of Ares and Aphrodite, Mars and Venus uh, here is uh in myth, they kind of were illicit lovers, right? <laughs> they like got caught having a little bit of playtime, uh, you know, and Hephaestus, the wife of, um, or the husband of Aphrodite, set an elaborate trap for them with this invisible uh, golden net and trapped them. And then like, like displayed them for the gods and like, look at my philandering wife here <laughs> like so so i wonder if there's also maybe potential for some kind of illicit action or illicit affairs going on with this combination as well um but overall i i'm feeling with that combination like like a plan is finally starting to materialize and we're able to take action with the resources that we we've been waiting for um if i go back to the chart here dulcie mm -hmm. We've got the sun co-present with Saturn, right? We've got uh, Jupiter has just gone under the beams in this chart. 
So we have Jupiter that, that made its heliacal setting. And then over the course of this lunation cycle, Mars is going to make its heliacal rise. Saturn. Um, Saturn, sorry. Yes, Saturn. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Saturn <laughs> is going to make its heliacal rise. Good. See, keeping me on track here. <laughs> so so do, what do you think about Jupiter in Pisces maybe handing off visibility uh, to Saturn. What do you think about that transition we're experiencing? Yeah, I could see Jupiter in Pisces being all, you know, this is the dream. This is what we were aspiring to. Everything is possible. Um, and then and then Saturn starts to take over in kind of the, the more air sign of, of Saturn. And it becomes a bit more practical and um, not necessarily everything is possible. Here are the limits, um, but this is what we can do. And we'll start putting that into action. Definitely. Yeah, I've been reading this book um, called The Tiny Universe. I don't know if you've heard of this book, Dulcie. It's by this author, Australian author, Joy Usher. And she's been talking about sect in her book and you know the relationship with jupiter and saturn to the solar sect the diurnal sect and saying that jupiter was sort of like this proxy for the the king kingliness of the of the sun but that saturn is kind of coming in and saying okay you've got this plan you've got this you know this vision like of of jupiter but but like you were saying what is the reality? What is actually possible? Um, and she had a really interesting way of thinking about Aquarius and planets in Aquarius, and especially how Saturn operates with limitations there. She was talking about the difference between Saturn and Capricorn versus Aquarius as Saturn being the, the, the physical boundaries in Capricorn, and then Saturn in Aquarius is more about the ideological boundaries, which she compared to a, a glass ceiling. And I wonder, you know, with, with, since you have some Aquarian placements, have you ever felt in your life like a, an ideal that was, I don't know, that you had to overcome as far as like your, your thought process or, and does that make sense? What I'm asking? Yeah, I can definitely see kind of where the fixed opinions come in play. Yeah. Um, yeah. In terms of just overcoming these kind of opinions, um, I've had to make an effort to be open to other people's perspectives because, you know, I have a kind of sense of what is right and what is wrong. Um, right. but just because that's what I think doesn't mean that is true. So, but it, it takes, it takes kind of calming down my own internal ego and um, just knowledge of what's right to take in other people's perspectives. But yes, once I do that, I can, I can definitely add it to my own, but there is that block at first. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting because it, it, it's, um, you know, Saturn supposedly in Aquarius is functions a little bit better because of the uh, the air quality, like the, the flexibility, more flexible, even though it is a fixed sign, right? It's, it is a, a warm and moist sign, according to like the Aristotelian 
elements rather than cold and dry. So maybe there is a little bit more ability to, to consider and contemplate different perspectives. Um, you know, in the research I've been doing for my webins, webinar, uh, Deccan's webinar with Aquarius, talks a lot about the feelings of isolation due to feeling an ideological separation from sometimes from your community or from the masses or from uh, society. Um, and there's a lot of themes of like being trying to, to, because of the idealism, I think idealism is something I've really seen in a lot of stories with Prometheus, Ganymede, um, all these other archetypes that we might see associated with Aquarius is, and you can, it, it's sometimes it feels isolating because of being able to see from the top of the mountain kind of, and seeing how the game is played. Um, do you have thoughts on that as well? Like, do you, do you have that kind of, do you ever feel overwhelmed by the, the. I'm frustrated. All frustrated. Time. Yeah. Of course. Yes. Yeah. I just, and I think a lot of people feel that way, but from you can kind of see reality from a logical perspective and the way that it's actually functioning is just yeah. not practical. It's not efficient. It's not effective. Um, so yes, that yeah, kind of yeah. frustration. Comes up. That's a great, man, that's, that is a great uh, realization there. Cause I'm curious, which, so you have a, do you share your chart? Your placements? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so um, you have the, where, where are your queries? Sun, Moon, and Mercury are all there, yes. Sun, Moon, and Mercury. And, and which decan is, do you have these planets in? The Sun is at 10 degrees, so that's the first one. Okay, that's yeah, second decan, second decan. Yeah. Oh, second decan, okay, yeah. right. And then the, and then Mercury and the Moon are at 22 and 24. Okay, so you okay. do have third decan Aquarius placements. And the fact that you said frustration is actually one of the key themes of the sun in Aquarius 3. So if we were sort of breaking down some of the Aquarius decans, we've got this seven of swords card. And it's a, a figure that is sneaking away from an encampment. And they call this the Lord of unstable effort, but also the Lord of futility. <laughs> but, but Austin Kopic has a really interesting way of thinking about it. He, he calls it the knot, where part of the action of this Deccan is untying old karmic uh, ties. And, and I think a lot of that is old, um, old ideas as well. It's not just physical ties to people. I think it's old I idealistic things and figuring out what is truly possible and what isn't. And one of the main emotions that he associates with this is frustration and disgust <laughs> where it's, you know, where, where, right. So, so I thought that was, it's, it's really fascinating. To, that's why I bring on certain guests <laughs> that have some of these placements because they've lived it. And it's so fascinating to, to hear that. So, um, but I think that frustration and that disgust can also lead to, to change, right. And can lead to liberation. So I think that that's part of this too. Um, so if we're looking at the sun from that perspective, from this, this desire to leave the past behind because we have, are feeling frustrated and maybe stuck or, or disappointed or disillusioned potentially, we've got the moon getting into this decan of the seven of wands, which this, I've been adding in this new understanding of the tarot, um, 
And I wonder, have, have you explored the, the Kabbalistic tree of life at all, Dulcy? Is that something no. in your toolkit yet? But yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. It's a new thing that I'm kind of trying to wrap my head around. Um, and there is the, the, they're like energy centers that are associated with each of the different decans and numbered cards. And with the sevens, there's a, a sephira called Nitzach. I, I'm, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, but that is one that is sort of about endurance. There's many different names for it. Endurance, victory, eternity, leadership, uh, but, but emotion and passion. And with this seven of so, uh, wands card that we see, we have somebody who's defending their territory or defending their authenticity. Um, how do you feel we can be authentic, our authentic selves, in conditions that require us to sacrifice for the good of the collective? Yeah, that's exactly what we're living right now, of course. Um, yeah, it's, it's mixed because everybody has different opinions of what is good for the collective. Yeah. Um, so it, it does take that, that reflection on, on who am I, um, what do I feel is right? And also being open to what other people feel is right. Um, yeah, but then <laughs> it is hard to kind of go from there because they can be completely different beliefs. And there's no middle ground. Yeah. So we're, yeah, we're kind of in that right now, for sure. That does seem to be the challenge, doesn't it? Like we're living almost different realities on some level. Mm -hmm. um, one of the other things that, I, that Joy Usher talked about, and Dimphy's asking me if I use the, the companion book for the Tiny Universe. Yes, Dimphy, that, that book is behind me here. Uh, I'm working my way through the first one, but we'll, I'm getting to the second one too. A lot, lot of good stuff in those books. Um, she's a great uh, traditional astrologer, Joy Usher. I really recommend those books. But one of the things that she says about Saturn's ability to create limits in Aquarius as well is through a, a little bit of, I don't know, controlling the narrative, right? By only allowing certain uh, parts of a story to permeate through the, the boundaries, right? So... I, and I feel like we've seen in various different news stories across many different topics, different maybe political factions wanting to control a narrative and, and uh, not, you know, accept any information from the other side. So th that's a challenging thing, too, of how do, how do we come to that consensus reality if, if we're only allowing in one perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even if you were to read from another perspective, you're stuck in your own, your own view and it's hard to, to take that in. Totally. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm seeing a rise in this in America here of, of certain people calling for banning, banning books, yes. um, which feels very Saturn and Aquarius actually. Uh, and that's the darker side of Saturn and Aquarius. I mean, I think that in, from a modern perspective, we've, are trying to figure out, you know, this idealistic, Promethean, future-orientated kind of thing, which I do think is a part of Aquarius. But there's also like this this darker side that we've been discussing, as far as like um, trying to control a narrative, um, maybe also homogenizing uh, the individual to the point where they maybe lose a sense of identity. 
and, and that may be part of the struggle that we're going through at this full moon as yeah. well, right? Yeah, okay. banning books according to whose whose beliefs. Who's right. <laughs> That's yeah, I I my um my daughter, soon to be college age daughter here, is uh wants to be a librarian. And uh I I've been talking about her about being a, a fighter and that we need more people like her that are willing. She's got Mars and Aries, and we need fighters in the library system to be able to protect this uh this information, you know, and be able to at least have people have access to books um, and then make their own decisions regarding it, right? Fighters in the library system. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's it's a strange time that we live in that, that librarians are, are freedom yeah. fighters, you know, it's, and I think it's always actually been that way, but it, it's becoming even more that role and that job is, is becoming more of that type of thing. Um, yes, librarians can get fired if they don't take the book off the shelf. Right, right, exactly. So I need or whatever. It's just really fascinating to see what I think a lot of people would consider um, a calm and peaceful type of profession is yeah. you know may may now be like like nurses for for a long period of time. Well, that wasn't necessarily calm and peaceful, but <laughs> nurses got got thrust into the national conversation and were like on the front lines of things and. We may see something similar potentially with like people like librarians that may be protecting the ability to to gain access to information. Um, it's it's really fascinating to to watch that play out. Everyone's getting their turn of of fighting for something. <laughs> right, people right. Don't normally have the role of fighting for something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's so interesting to me to say it, see it play out, and you know, especially with this moon in the third decan of Leo where that is a Mars ruled Deccan. So we've got a Mars ruled Deccan that the moon is going to be in and, and saying, well, what are we willing to stand up for? What what are we willing to let go of as well? I think that's the, the dichotomy here is, should I stay or should I go, um, whether, whether it's physically or ideologically? Because I think the one word that came up to me with this is, which hill are you willing to, to die on? <laughs> you know, that's kind of the... The gist of that. And there's some hills that aren't worth dying on. I, I remember around this period of time last summer um, in the opposite full moon where we had the Leo sun in the third decan, and I believe that the moon was full in the third decan of Aquarius. That was when the Summer Olympics were happening. And in America, a lot of the conversation was around uh, the gymnast Simone Biles and her uh, pulling out of the Olympics to 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 support her mental health. So the the retreat of saying, you know what, this it's this is not worth fighting for. This this is something where, that is taking courage to actually let go of and release. Yeah. Um. So I think something similar is play, could be playing out here, but maybe even from the other perspective. So maybe the courage to leave something behind, um, the courage to stay and fight for something that you believe in. It could be it could be both. Yeah. Um, I'm taking a look at the chat here, Dulcie. Um, Lisa is saying, as a mercurial kind of person, I find myself going back and forth from group to group. I've felt an increasingly intense expectation and pressure to choose a group and conform accordingly. Yeah, that's a great observation, Lisa. Um, You're mercurial, so the, yeah, you can conform to each. You can be your own version of yourself in each group. Yeah, the, the flexibility of going between worlds, I think, is one of the things that, excuse me, Mercury or Hermes is is really uh, skilled at. 
Um, but yeah, the, I, I hear what you're saying about feeling pressure to, to choose a side and to conform. And that's something we've had experienced a lot over the last couple of years is um, having to choose sides. And I think that can be really a, a really difficult waters to navigate. Um, I've seen even just family members having to, you know, people that were normally agreeing on things, having to choose a side. Um, Rachel is here saying, hurrah, haven't missed the live. Yeah, welcome, Rachel. Thank you for being here. Remco is asking, does this full moon on the halfway between the nodes emphasize this duality and polarity? What do you think, Dulcie? Which duality and polarity? Yeah, maybe we need some clarification with that, Remco, but I, I'm, I'm guessing. It does, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing that he means the polarity between staying and going, um, being able to stay and fight and knowing when to let go. Uh, and I think, yeah, the answer is yes. Um, I think that, you know, as Dulcie was saying in the beginning of the, the, the live stream here, we're at a crossroads. We're at a turning point where we sort of have to make a choice. Are we going to move towards the energy of the North Node? And are we going to, or are we going to stay attached to the energy of the South Node here? And um, how, yeah. have you been, how have you been looking at the, the nodal axis lately, Dulcie? Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. I, yeah. I do think we're going to be seeing similar themes, upcoming themes of the of the eclipses. So during this kind of crossroads, we're kind of halfway there. Um, we might see the beginnings of the themes that we'll see during the eclipses. Um, yeah, um, between Taurus and Scorpio, we're kind of feeling that back and forth between scorpionic depth and, and kind of getting into the icky stuff and really looking at it and, and sorting through it for right, <laughs> right. finding what is uh, physically, essentially pleasant and finding, finding some sort of relief from all of that ickiness. Um, and also, you know, making sure we have enough food and, and yeah. resources for everybody. Yeah, it's, it is, it's interesting to see the challenges of what we're being required to compost, maybe through Scorpio South Node, and what we're, how we're going to create um, the, the fertility that's necessary to grow something new within that Taurus North Node, right? Um, and and I, I can't help but think that that North Node is increasing um, the potency of Uranus and Taurus as well, uh, maybe asking us to do it in a way that is that is different. Um, where you know we're seeing a lot of I've seen a lot of talk lately about currency and digital currency and like all of the changes that may need to take place with that. And that was one of the things that Michael Bryant brought up when he was talking about the eclipse uh, back in November was uh, financial markets and at this full moon potentially seeing some disruption in financial markets as well. Um, so <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens with, with that. Do you think the last time that the, the nodes were in this axis, um, we did see kind of financial things coming up, crashes and that kind of stuff. Yeah, was this the when we had first experienced kind of the the um, 
the Wall Street, like the Occupy Wall Street. I don't, yeah, I don't remember exactly. It's like, yeah, I do remember doing research on this. And so I don't remember like specifics. Well, at at least from a decanic perspective, the North Node is moving through that seven of pentacles territory, Mm -hmm. which that particular decan has to do with an increase in forces of nature that are out of our control. So I'm, I'm curious if this is, you know, we see more maybe natural disasters starting to come into the public consciousness or just a need to make a transition to more, maybe more energy efficient ways of doing things. Maybe we need to take some, some climate issues seriously, potentially. <laughs> One of these days, maybe, yeah. Hopefully, I don't know what, I, I'm always curious as to what it takes for the collective to respond to something. Um, and, yeah, and- I mean, if you look at the pandemic, we definitely responded collectively even more than we did with the climate, but certainly not enough. Yeah, it, yes. And and that was something that was reflected in the that movie I've, I've been talking about. Did you see Don't Look Up? Were you, yeah. have you seen that on yeah, Netflix? Talk about the, the frustration, the Aquarian frustration. Yes. Um, that was a, man, that movie, I'll tell you, that, that really hit an emotional chord with me. Um, especially just seeing like, you know, when we understand as astrologers, when we can see some of the writing on the wall, not that we're omnipotent or anything like that, but we'd see trends. <laughs> right. Oh, well, but Dulcie, Dulcie, she's, she's the <laughs> Aquarian here with like, the 30,000 foot viewpoint. <laughs> um, but yeah, but, but being able to see the trends of how things are going and being able to connect it with things in history, but then still having to, to, to see this, hmm, I don't know, this, this attachment to, yeah. to an individual agenda is really challenging for me. And I, it sounds like that's frustrating for you too. Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, again, with the Aquarian theme, seeing how it could be, (laughs) how you think it should be, and how far away you are from that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, We've got a question here from CV of the Accidental Zodiac. Uh, It says, Spencer and Dulcie, do you use the 15 degree distance from the sun for Saturn's heliacal rise? Yeah. Um, yeah, I do. Do you, do you use anything different with that? Dulce? No, that's uh, pretty much what I've read from Demetra George, essentially. Um, yeah, yeah. The, from her book, um, she talks about that in Ancient Astrology and Theory and Practice. And I'm looking because I'm, I believe that Joy Usher has something on this that's similar, but potentially a little bit different. Um, and I was talking about this with a friend of mine, Shu, Shu Yap, who's another great astrologer. Um, she uses a, a degree of about 10 degrees for Venus, um, because there's a, she, she lives out in the bush of Australia and she's like, I, I swear to God, I could see, uh, Venus at uh-huh. about 10 degrees. But I do think with, with the 15 degrees separation with Saturn, I think that is appropriate. Um, especially because the last time this happened, I was doing some research on heliacal risings, uh, and settings of, of the outer planets. And last year, when Saturn made its heliacal setting, when it came right within 15 degrees of the sun, uh, you can think of that as a planet 
that is weakened and taking to its sickbed, right? Who is like saying, oh, I'm, I'm old, I'm, I need rest. You know, it, its significations start to break down. If we think about order being associated with Saturn, we had the, the capital insurrection in America on January 6th, right as Saturn was making its helical setting and conjoining the, in, in going into that under the beams condition being burned up by the sun. Um, so we had a breakdown of order around that period of time. And then when we had the Kazemi, uh, the last, the last, one of the last times this happened, uh, that's when the new administration took over in the United States with the Biden administration. And then when Saturn made its heliacal rise, there were some new, um, cabinet members appointed. There was, uh, some things, some results, uh, some kind of, um, some things about Trump, I guess, where he was, there were new charges filed with him or something like that. So you could see the transition of power in that regard. And I wonder too, if we're going to be seeing that uh, around this period of time as well, we've already got Saturn under the beams and we had Saturn made its Kazemi a few, a few days ago uh, already, um, especially from this full moon, but we're going to see over the course of this full to next new moon cycle, Saturn making its heliacal rise. So, you know, whatever impulse that you've gotten uh, at, like, I believe it was around February the 4th was the Kazemi moment. So if there was anything in particular that came up as far as like the Aquarius uh, house in your chart, as far as something being seeded, you may see some of that come to light when Saturn makes its heliacal rise on the 21st of February. So I'll show you this. Um, I love using this technique. This is something I think I wish more astrologers would, would, would do. So here is the distance that we've got between roughly 15 degrees of, of separation between the sun and Saturn. And really what this means is whenever the sun, let's say the sun is over here on the ascendant, on the horizon, on the eastern horizon, you're going to be able to see Saturn in the sky, like the, the physical, you know, dull caster light of Saturn uh, rising before the sun. You're going to be, it's, it's literally will become visible before the sun rises. And while it's under the beams, it's, it is invisible. You can't actually see it. The light from the sun is blocking it out. So that's a transition from a morning, an evening star Saturn to a morning star Saturn. Uh, and same thing goes with evening stars. When, when a planet is an evening star, like Jupiter is right now, okay, it is visible in the evening when the sun goes down at night. Now, in this particular chart, Jupiter isn't going to be visible because it's under the beams of the sun right here. So it is, it is I believe, Demetri George called that the lying hidden phase, right? So, so that's kind of where, where a planet is kind of in this limbo and getting ready to be reborn within the heart of the sun here. Um, so, so those are some, some themes that we're seeing with the heliacal rise and things of that nature. Uh, cookers, yeah. go ahead, go ahead, Lucy. Uh, I could see, um, without getting into opinions and such, with the Saturn emerging from the beams or um, being visible in the sky, and a return to order. So here in Canada, uh, we discussed a little bit ahead of time, but the there's a kind of trucker movement for, um, uh, um, you know, 
trying med- to medical freedom, I guess they, yeah, that's what they would call yeah. it. <laughs> People who yeah. are not wanting to get vaccinated. They right. don't want a vaccine mandate essentially. Right. Um, so they've all gone to Ottawa and are in Ottawa. Um, I'm hearing conflicting stories of how that's going on there from different perspectives, but potentially come February 21st, was it you said? Um, yeah. There could be some sort of return to order where where um, either the government you know, sends them back and forces them to, or they end up going back home for their own, out of their own decision, we could see. Yeah, it's, it's really fascinating, the timing with that. And I, I used a, an American example for last year, but we're really seeing now, now Canada is having a similar type of experience with a, with a group of people that are not happy with the, the, the established, you know, order or the established government or, or what is being required of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really difficult, isn't it? Like, I, I, I feel, I mean, I'm vaccinated. I believe in vaccines. I believe in science. Um, I, I, sometimes I feel like that that needs to be stated clearer on this channel. I, because that's not something that's that is really even up for debate in my mind. I think the challenge is is that it is a, a challenging time when we are being required to make sacrifices for the collective, and we live in two countries, Canada and America. America even more so where individual freedom has, you know, been something that is a rallying cry for, for, I don't know, just like a modus operandi, the essence of the, of the, you know, belief system. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's such a test of that fabric of, of, um, you know, kind of, I don't know, it's, it's just a really interesting social experiment that we're seeing play out as how far are people willing to go to, to help one another or to protect what they consider to be individual rights and, and freedoms, right? Um, you were going to read somebody's comment. I don't want to take away from them. Okay. Um, Cookerzilla says, how does the Leo moon feel being in Aquarius sun? Uh, how does the Leo moon feel being in the Aquarius sun? So with the sun being in Aquarius and the moon in its sign? Yeah, I'm trying to parse that out a little bit here. Um, how does Leo moon? So the moon is in the sign of the sun. I, I would say that what we've got here is that we have uh, the moon the host of the moon is in a place that it's uncomfortable. I think that that's one way I, I would say that we see this relationship here. Let's say you had a Leo moon, but the sun was in Aries. That's a completely different Leo moon than when you have the sun in Aquarius. So in that case, the relationship would be harmonious between the two. And one of the, the things that I like from Martine Hermes is that uh we can think of the planet in the sign itself as the potter and the planet that is hosting that planet providing resources as the clay so in this case the moon is in a i believe the moon is actually peregrine so it doesn't really have any dignity it's just a a wandering planet um but the sun is in its exile so the quality of clay that it's working with 
is is difficult. It's it's not in its best shape. It's not where it has access to all of its own resources. It's basically playing by Saturn's rules. And in the theme of Mundi, Saturn and both of the lights are opposite. So there is this feeling of opposition. There's this feeling of being blocked. I mean, there's literally a blockage in the Canadian like capital right now where those trucks are 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 making business, you know, come to a standstill, come to a halt. Yeah. Restriction. Restriction. So government restriction. Blockages, right. definitely. Yeah. So so I think that it's it's um it's fascinating to see that play out, but it's not a comfortable place, I think, for either of these luminaries right now. Um, the two planets that are very well the well the two planets that are very strong are the malefics, Saturn being in its own domicile and Mars being in its exaltation right now. So I think that in addition to Jupiter being under the beams, which is weakening the benefic energy, uh, makes for some more um, work that needs to be done. Like there's not, it's not a time of ease, I would say, right? I think good can still come from Saturn and Mars significations. This is something- Good comes from work, yeah. (laughs) Right, right, From, from battling, right? What, what kind of things do you th- like? So let's take that. Let's take that a little bit further, Dulcie. What types of things do you think we can benefit from from doing the hard work of Saturn and going through the conflicts of Mars? Well, Mars is in Capricorn, so it's it's more it's a it's a it's not a fiery Mars. It's a more realistic Mars and a strategic Mars and, and able to, to plan things out a bit more and implement them. So using those kind of skills is definitely helpful. Um, and in terms of Saturn, um, perhaps recognizing, I mean, we've all recognized our own limitations and we're kind of tired of that. So, um, <laughs> it's 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 tough. It's dragging on and on, isn't no, it? I don't know. <laughs> I think we're in it. We're definitely in an endurance test with Saturn yeah. and Aquarius for sure. <laughs> but I do feel there is an end. Like you know, there must be. <laughs> well, the, the, the the planets keep on spinning and the cycles keep on going. So yeah, I think there, yeah. I think there will be an end. I don't exactly <laughs> know when that's going to be. I've I've thought about many different times that could be an ending for it. Um. I have to say, though, that the one thing that makes the most sense to me at this point is when Saturn just leaves Aquarius completely. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, that feels like, you know, where we might feel less isolated when the Saturn strength will be waning. Um, This is one thing that I've been noticing with charts and with transits is just because a malefic is well dignified, it doesn't always mean that that's a good experience. Like it just means that 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 type of energy is really strong. And I think that, yeah. you know, Saturn and Aquarius, that that energy of separation, that energy of like, you know, Zeus's eagle, you know, kidnapping Ganymede and bringing him up to Olympus and and feeling like separated from humanity, or Prometheus chained to the rock you know, making sacrifices for the good of all humanity, but being, but suffering for it. Yeah. I mean, that, that energy is really strong right now. And I just, I don't really see it abating completely until Saturn is in a different area of the Zodiac, unfortunately. And, 
Of course, pros and cons with that, with the separation. Um, Introverts have definitely probably been a bit happier, maybe. (laughs) You know, you don't have to commit to things anymore. You can just say, no, sorry, I'm going to stay home. Sure, sure. Um, Which which I am introverted. As much as I may be, you know, putting myself out there on this channel, I am 100% get drained by doing social things. So, yes, I agree 100%. It probably feels like there's a bit more balance in that. you yeah although i will say i'm getting a little bit a little stir crazy lately and it may just be winter um because this is this is actually this is a time period i was talking with gary about this which it's a shortly after uh which is the cross holiday between the solstice and the equinox the winter solstice and the spring equinox and the really the gist of emolk was like the stirrings, the underground stirrings of the very hint in the beginning of spring. And I, I'm feeling that right now, the little bit like, oh, I can feel something stirring. It's everything's still frozen and, and it's it's like deep, deep within. But you can feel this like little spark like happening. Are you feeling this at all, Delcy? I'm in Victoria. It's been spring since December. So. Oh, you see, so you you got out of the the winter. You used to live in Ottawa, right? I did. I <laughs> right? Yeah. No, thank you. So, so like when I talk to you and when I talk to to um, Jody, who's in Florida, you know, they're always rubbing it in with the weather. <laughs> but here I mean, in yes, Michigan, yes. here in Michigan, it is very cold. So oh, I'm sure it is. Yeah. But maybe we can think about this metaphorically too, even if you're not experiencing it physically with the seasons, because we have people from all over the world here that have different climates. But maybe if we think about it metaphorically, there's something stirring that in this period of contemplation, um, Aquarius, I think the highest form of Aquarius from what my research is being able to contemplate what types of... mm, philosophical ideals you still believe in right what what is it that you still believe in and what are you willing to commit to um do you have any thing to, to expand on that or, or add to that yeah definitely um i definitely had felt stuck for quite a long time and i am starting to not feel that stuckness yeah. stuckness anymore um and in terms of finding out what we truly believe past couple of years kind of turned everything upside down. Sure, I still had some core beliefs, but I had to rethink them. I had to um, take the time to shift my own um, worldview. And yeah. perhaps I'm now coming to another conclusion. Can I, can I ask what shifted for you? Do, do you have thoughts on that? just becoming more open to people with other perspectives. Um, Like you said, like I am also vaccinated and kind of on that side just generally. And um, I didn't have to put much thought into that. Um, But when people asked me, you know, are you going to get the vaccine because it's new and stuff like that? I did start recognizing another perspective. And I could kind of process that. I still did come to the same conclusion, but I understand a different idea. Yeah. I, th- I think that's a really great, great way to approach that. And, and that's something that I've had a lot of conversations with both clients, friends, family members. Um, 
just holding space for people, even if they have an opposing viewpoint, is something that I've been trying to do as well. Um, it is frustrating, I, I, you know, when we get entrenched in a certain position. It, it is, especially if we believe passionately about it. And I think you, you and I both, you know, believe like that that you know, getting vaccinated was a way to to have communal responsibility. But on 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 the other hand, there. And I'm just playing the, the devil's advocate here. Yeah. This is not a, a, an endorsement of this position. But I could see that there are also other perspectives where there is a, a, a fear of an overreach by um, maybe, I don't know, governmental systems yeah. or things like that. So I understand that. There's many novels that have been written about that. <laughs> about, exactly. You know, we might like, see it as temporary, but other people right. might see this is the beginning. Exactly, exactly. So, so there's all these novels, they're dystopian about like, you know, governmental control and things like that. So I can, I can, I can understand that perspective. And I think that what where I fall on some of this is balance is really the key. Like, I think it's where we, if we go too far in an authoritarian direction that has its own problems. If we go too far in a, I don't know, a, a libertarian perspective where, you know, every person gets to make all their own choices and not think about the collective responsibility that has its own challenges as well. So I think that the real pro challenge we've, we've had throughout this last period of time, though, is we have something that does affect everyone, right? And our, our, we've hopefully we've learned that we are connected. <laughs> you know, I think that's the, I think that's the big frustration maybe you and I have is, is our actions do affect other people. And I, I guess I hope like if I'm trying, I'm not trying to convince anybody, but I hope that people do realize that, that we are a, a unified species and that our actions do affect one another. But that's really going to be the biggest discussion with this full moon is the discussion between what is good for the, the most amount of people and how do we retain our sovereignty, individuality, and our, our point of consciousness within, you know, a, a more collective experience. So yeah. Okay. And if we're shutting people out, there's no hope of working together and finding a solution. So absolutely, might as well listen to people and understand where they're coming from and see where it goes. And, and that's where this Mars, Venus, Venus, Mars can kind of help us out. And I have some unvaccinated friends and like, you know, I, I have like some, some people... of my best friends are unvaccinated. Right. So, so, th and, and that's the thing, like, you're so right on that. Like, and, and I hope that by us being transparent about it, it, it it is it makes the makes it clear that the conversation should stay open between people whether they agree or disagree i think that's really the most important thing moving forward is being able to talk with one another mm -hmm. and, and i hope that which whatever things that we come across as a species that we can continue to have conversations rather than polarizations because that is one of the things that is coming up with Saturn and Aquarius is only seeing your own viewpoint to the to the exclusion of the other of the other. And at the end of the day, we there, we have more in common, I think, than we have in uh, opposition, I hope. Um, I'm looking Definitely. at and we might and I think we're fighting for the same thing in the end, like kind of, you know, this idea of freedom. We all do want that. Right, right. It's just very, maybe different ways of getting there potentially, but yeah. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I think the essence of what people want is similar, but yeah. it's the form that we're having challenges with, mm -hmm. right? Um, I'm looking through the comments here. Jody says, that's the Virgo in you. <laughs> what is the Virgo in me? Wanting everybody to get along and see both sides of things, maybe. <laughs> Lisa says, know, your Virgo comes out all the time, so it could be anything. That's, that's true. <laughs> I have a lot of planets in Virgo. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing my best to see the big picture, but also pay attention to the details and stuff, too. <laughs> Uh, Lisa says, most people want what is right for the whole, and they may disagree on what that looks like. Yeah, that's what we were talking about, Lisa, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Rachel says, sometimes I think we can respect the passion in other people's beliefs while not sharing that belief. I agree with that, Rachel. I, I agree that the passion is is interesting. And that's uh, an Aquarian thing, too, admiring people for their differences. They're right. different from me. I love that. That's so interesting. Exactly. Um, Rachel says, sometimes I think... Oh, yeah. So Dimphy says, what you said in another episode about that mycelium, uh, the mushroom roots is so very true. Together with trees, etc., it is all interconnected. 100%, Dimphy. Um, I like, yeah, I like that analogy, the, the mycelium of the mushrooms is that we're, we may pop up as different, you know, mushroom forms, but underneath we are, we have these, these connected networks, you know, that we can't oh, escape, right? That's so cute. Yeah. Um, Lisa says curiosity and vulnerability will heal our culture. Yes, curiosity. I, I, I like that. Being able to to listen as much as we preach. I like um, that the vulnerability too part, like having these open discussions, like we're having a kind of touchy discussion yeah. online, but it's true. It does mean having these kind of conversations with each other. And totally. Being, and, and, and Rachel says, if we can think about the experiences other people are having, have had, we, we would probably come to the appreciation, to appreciate the conclusions they come to rather than dismissing them as illogical. Very true, Rachel. Um, yeah, and I, I, again, sometimes I like bringing up controversial topics here. Me because, too, I love it. Yeah, so um, thank you for, for playing along, <laughs> Dulcie. And, and I really do love your perspective because you, you have a really great way of... Um, you can talk about these things in a non-confrontational detached way that I think is, is really represents some of the best parts of Aquarius and, and what that sign can offer is I think a lot of the times when we are able to not take things so personally, that's when we can find, um, find truth. Um, but I, I don't know, <laughs> interesting times for sure. Yeah. All right, I'm keeping an eye on the time here today because yeah. uh, we, we both have some appointments at, at three o'clock, so we have to make sure that we're keeping on track. A couple other things that I'm seeing on my agenda here. This uh, uh, lunation, this full moon, is on a fixed star called Alphard at 27 degrees of Leo. And that is a fixed star in a constellation called the Hydra. It's the Alpha Star, the heart of the serpent. And this is actually a really intense fixed star. We're talking about passion. We're talking about intensity. Um, this can be something, a fixed star that could represent um, toxic emotions, obsession, turbulence, ruthlessness, uh, battling a deeply rooted desire. And in the story with uh, Hydra, we have Hercules and one of his labors that he had to complete to redeem himself. Um, like he committed the sin of uh, patricide or, or he, he 
was driven mad by Hera to to murder his family. So he, he went through all these trials to, to to redeem himself after this. So he was kind of set up, but that, that's a longer story. Um, but with Hercules and the Hydra, one of the main features of that is when one head is cut off, it's able to grow like nine more in its place. And I think that when we have these deeply rooted, intense emotions that we're trying to root out and to heal, it's easy to like cut it off at the surface and then still have it breeding and festering underneath the surface. Interesting. And really the way that, 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 that um, Hercules was able to overcome the Hydra was cauterizing these wounds of the of the severed heads by holding them up to the sun or setting them on fire there's very different versions of this but in a in a way like holding up these things to the light like like the conversations we're having today like having the conversation not just rep- repressing it so that our negative emotions can fester right it's how can we illuminate these things right so i think that at this full moon if you have intense emotions that come up, try, try to bring it to the light, but recognize that there's a way to do it in a, in a detached way that, that can lead to um, healing, right? And leading to cauterizing the wound rather than just making nine more, you know, <laughs> nine more nasty poisonous heads sprout up, right? Um, so that's something to keep in mind. I, I would say on a, on a uh, tangible level, Alfard was associated with poisons, with water, with bites and emotional outbursts. So just be careful around this period of time with any like, you know, things that could be poisonous um, with having these types of conversations with being able to keep a level head and and things like of that nature. Uh, I think that's important moving forward. All right, Dulcie, any other thoughts on this full moon that we have here? Yeah, just I on the fixed star Alfard. I I don't know much about the fixed stars. Of course, you're the expert. Um, but what I did find from Avalar and Ribeiro in their book on the heavenly spheres, yeah, is that it's of the nature of Saturn and Venus. Oh, um, so they they associate each of the stars with planets, and so it's not the most positive. Um, it says it's associated with envy, slander, jealousy loneliness greed shameful actions and mediocrity um so so be careful with those feelings but i like what you said about kind of recognizing when they come up because it's true the way of overcoming them or moving through them and past them is to recognize them not just you know put on the headphones and move on but yeah kind of sit with them for a bit right right empathy and having holding space and for some of those things to you know, I, I love the analogy of bringing something to the light to heal it. That, that's always been something that I've really resonated with. Because um, really, a lot of the monsters, they, they fester in the dark, right? They, they can get, our minds can do this, this number on us, where when we, when we repress things, that's when they're operating in this unconscious way, right? If we get psychological on it, when they're, yeah. all of our actions may be motivated by this this daimon, this bad daimon, maybe, you know, like this voice that's pushing us to do something. And when we become aware of it, and I think that's one of the reasons to study astrology in general, is when we when we have an awareness of our tendencies or maybe of our pain also, 
we can find better ways to to either conquer it or to work with it or to to um i don't know aspire to a to a higher expression of it okay yeah um let's see i'm looking at my notes here there is a one actually interesting thing that i about the daimons um osiris is the daimon of this of the sun in the third decan of aquarius which has to do with being able to uh reconnect severed pieces but only temporarily so like in the myth of osiris basically he was uh cut up by his brother set because of jealousy or, or th- some of those negative emotions we were talking about and his his wife isis had to collect these pieces and put them back together uh, and then she uh, mated with the reconstructed Osiris uh, and then uh, bore the child Horus, who became the new ruler. And but then Osiris couldn't hold together. He had to he had to die again. He became the Lord of the underworld. So I think that one of the things I think about with this Deccan is being able to, you know, revisit the past temporarily, but for the purpose of moving on. The purpose of bringing something into the being in the future so maybe you have to re-examine some of the things that are con- points of contention temporarily so that you can finally be released and liberated from it so something else can be born yeah. not okay. trying to keep grabbing all those pieces and hold on to them forever right 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 that that could be the mistake of this this placement too is trying to hold on too tightly to something right um, think of it like the lizard too, like de- like detaching your tail. Like your core remains, but you you might have to regrow that tail a little bit, type of thing. So, um, thank you for the super chat, Susanna. I got a super chat from Susanna and Jody. Thank you so much for supporting the work that we do here. I appreciate all of you. Um, Tarya T is saying greetings from Finland. I have my son at 24 degrees Aquarius, so birthday soon, couple of days before the full moon. Well, happy birthday, Tarya. And uh, that'll be an interesting solar return chart for you this year. Yeah, (laughs) have fun with that. So so maybe some of the (laughs) themes we've been talking about will will play out for you over the the course of the coming year. Um, Dulcie, I wanted to touch briefly on um, the quarter moon, the last quarter moon. And then we can maybe just do a tiny preview on the new moon and then we'll talk uh, the animal spirit and yeah. the hexagram and wrap up our our show here you doing Sounds good on time here we doing all right yeah for sure okay good 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 okay so here is the last quarter moon and in the last quarter moon we see the square the 90 degree square between the two lights the sun and the moon we have the sun at five degrees of pisces and the moon at five degrees of sagittarius um are you familiar with Dane Ridyard's work with the lunation cycle, Dulcie? Um, mostly from you talking about it, I, I believe. Okay. So he talks about the, the squares of the moon as these crisis points. And the last quarter moon phase, as the moon is losing light, being a point where we're sort of having an existential crisis, whereas the first quarter moon, when the moon is waxing, it's like a physical crisis of bringing something into form. Here, we're having a crisis that may lead us to release form. So at this point, we may have some kind of existential crisis between the sun in the first decan of Pisces, 
which is sort of about going internal and going into the labyrinths of our minds and our imaginations and feeling it's similar to Aquarius in that there's a little bit of uh, disillusionment that allows us to search for higher purpose and meaning. And, and then that moon in the first decan of Sagittarius is about speed. Um, it's about movement and external movement. Um, so I'm, I'm seeing with this a conflict between our desire to take external action and a need to go internal to find what is really motivating us. Mm -hmm. What do you think? I can see that as well. And I do, I do appreciate that they're both ruled by Jupiter. So right, right. I think Jupiter has touched on this um, aspect, even though it's a hard aspect, um, it's a square um, and the, the moon is losing light. Uh, it still has the kind of blessings and um, helpfulness of Jupiter. Right, right. Touch on it. And Jupiter's in pretty good shape in, in Pisces. Yeah. And now it's co-present with the sun. Um, I think that one of the things that, that I was thinking about with Jupiter, generally a planet would be weakened by being under the beams of the sun. But mm -hmm. since Jupiter is in its own domicile or in its own sign, there is a traditional um, technique called being in the chariot where it's sort of shielded, like it's got like an awning to protect it from the worst of the sun. So I think Jupiter can still do good being under the beams. It just may be a little bit behind the scenes type of thing. Um, <clears throat> so the other thing that I wanted to point out about this is during this phase, whoops, we will see a square perfecting between Mercury and Uranus. So we've got Mercury that's going to be in the second decade of Aquarius and Uranus in the second decade of Taurus. So another point where we may get dug into a certain opinion, a certain you know, like conversation that may, may lead to some unexpected um, events potentially, right? Yeah. Do, do you have a, a Mer any Mercury squares in your chart, Dulcie? So sextiles. sextiles. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if I have a square of Mercury. I have, yeah. oh, I have a Mercury Pluto square. <laughs> oh, that's fun. That's, yeah, that's fun. <laughs> so maybe add some intensity to my uh, thoughts uh, and communication sometimes. But in terms of uh, the chariot, I, it's yeah. Saturn also was. Um, right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so at, yeah, at the full moon you know, Saturn is, is also in that condition where it's not going to be as weakened by its contact with the sun. So that's a really great point. It still um, will become visible to us, but it, it's, I don't know that it was weakened necessarily. Yeah. <clears throat> and, may, and maybe that's what we're seeing with, with some of the, the events playing out on the global scale too, is maybe there's this appearance of order going behind the scenes, but it's still mm -hmm remains you know right. it's like maybe there isn't as much of a breakdown as it there appears to be and i will say I, I will point that out too that i think that that may reflect the the russian ukrainian uh conflict mm, right now too yes because we're seeing just kind of this a lot of posturing around that um yeah. and and i think part of that and i talked about this a little bit with gary caton before was uh mars being out of bounds and Mars being like like saber rattling, but but now as of this full moon, 
Mars will have come back into its inbounds condition where it's sort of back into alignment with with the sun and with the I don't know the king they would say in traditional astrology so maybe that situation calms down with Mars coming uh, out from being out of bounds as well back following into alignment. the rules a little bit more what's that following the rules following the rules exactly so so we'll see how that goes okay so that's our last quarter moon maybe a little bit of an existential crisis about external and internal movement be careful about your communication style try not to get too fixated on a perspective uh you don't need to shock people just for shock value (laughs) like maybe (laughs) maybe have a reason if you're going to shock someone but um you may receive some shocking communication though that may be something that we could potentially uh expect around this period of time something unexpected and i will say dulcie and and i'm curious if, if this is true for you too as much as i like to be someone who can see what is happening with astrology uranus still surprises me of course you know? yeah. <laughs> like it still does it's but you know bar none it's always like you know it's like whoa whoa that, that, i i as much as i did not expect that to happen you know so yeah, the timing of the shockness was you know um just exact timing right. but no in terms of what it is Totally. often who knows yeah yeah so so we may we may get a heads up on something that'll happen but we don't exactly know what it is sometimes uranus is always gonna kind of try to fool us <laughs> a little bit there okay and then lastly i'm seeing here uh we'll look at one more just just touch on and preview this i'm gonna have another guest uh shannon aganza is gonna be joining me um i believe I don't remember the date on that. I'll have to, I'll announce that on my social medias, but she's going to be joining me, um, I believe in the first week, sorry, the last week of February uh, to to talk about the new moon in Pisces. But we've got this new moon in Pisces co-present with Jupiter. I've actually been really excited about this one. Have you yeah. been circling this at all? <clears throat> it just, I'm, I'm excited about the juiciness of... <laughs> You know, everybody in Pisces and Jupiter sign. It looks pleasant, although yeah. there is this Mars <laughs> Pluto conjunction. You know, so that's gotta <laughs> we do have to recognize that that is still a part of it. So there may be something going on that doesn't make it this like perfect idealistic thing. But um please join me and Shannon Naganza uh, in the last week of February for for that live stream. I'll just say pre- just a little preview. This is a kind of a make a wish decan of Pisces, but also it's a decan where you can overestimate your ability. So if you're if you're feeling like you're just like going for it and you're throwing all caution to the wind, I would would be careful with that because that feeling could be really prominent around that new moon, and you have to to make sure that you're not overshooting the mark that could lead to a downfall. Um, but in general. I think it's it's probably going to be some good energy if we stay within within ourselves. Okay, Dulcie, let's wrap this up. Let's put a bow on it. Let's do it. Let's do it. So I'm going to stop my share here. Thank you, everybody, for for your uh, comments today and for stopping by and your support. I so very much appreciate um, everyone that, that that stops by in the chats that we have and the contributions people have in the chat. It's a great community that we've been building here and 
really appreciate all of you. Okay, Dulcie, we've got two more things to get to here. We have the oyster is our is our animal spirit for this full moon. Um, what I do, do you think like about? that for a full moon too. Right? What, yeah. are, what are your thoughts on the oyster here? <laughs> um, so my first thought was that it's an aphrodisiac. And so we have Mars and Venus together for quite a while. Right. Um, but if we're not consuming the oyster, um, we're just, you know, appreciating it. Um, they are the ones that create the, the pearls. Um, right. So all of this tension, all of this pressure that we're feeling, um, there seems to be some sort of outcome to it. We could turn into just beautiful pearls and, uh, and uh, live happily ever after. I like that. Yeah, because we've got this, these tiny irritants that, that maybe get into our craw, you know, like, but eventually, instead of letting it destroy us, we, we surround it with this beautiful lacquer and it becomes this valuable thing. So through some of these small irritants, maybe we can produce something great and beautiful, right? And through that tension, I, I love that. Um, some notes more. Each, each oyster itself is creating its own individual pearl as well. So I, you know, we're kind of collectively doing the same thing, but on our own. I like that. I like that. So that, so we've got that bringing in the theme of like our, our individual sovereignty and uniqueness and beauty within the collective. And yeah. we're all pearls within this <laughs> beautiful ocean, right? Um, so, so some of the notes with Oyster, I really like a book called Animal Frequency by Melissa Alvarez. So I, I sometimes I'll take some notes from that and, and it's for themes. And she talks about connecting to your inner essence balance and peace, turning an irritant into something beautiful, like we've touched on with sand into pearls, retreating into your shell. She talks about with this, there may be a need to keep quiet and filter out some of the, the noise and filter out the good from the bad, protecting yourself from negativity, potentially. And, and with that fixed star Alfard being pretty intense, maybe we do need to maybe just take a time out every once in a while. I think when we have these conversations, it is okay if you bring up difficult topics to take time to reflect on your position. I know I do this a lot because I sometimes my first reaction to something as a honestly as a cancer with a Taurus moon is no. <laughs> like no. Yeah. Of <laughs> like, and not something you want to say right. to everybody right away. <laughs> right. So, so it's okay to take a time out and reflect and try to come into alignment with that other person's perspective without adding to the conflict right away. I think that's really an important skill that we've we've lost as a community is being able to say, you know, I'm going to I'm going to consider that and take a time out and think about it and I will get back to you. <laughs> you know, like we want we want to fire off a comment or a thought right away and it just it's really hard to do that without with with any sort of grace, you know. So take a time out if you need to reflect on something. Um, find peace within the chaos, potentially, like a lot of the peace can come from that inner experience as well. And, and one other thing she points out that I think is important is that no outside force can change your true inner essence, right? So if there's things that are going on, that are, you're feeling like scared, or you're feeling like fear, or like that, 
the collective is, you know, on whatever side that you're on, I hate that there's sides. I mean, yeah. as a person who is just is su such a kind of a universal thinker, I, I it's this painful times for me. Yeah. I just want everybody to get along, really. Um, but but really, all of these turnings and machinations, you have that eternal spirit. So I know this is something that our teacher Achuta would talk about. It's connecting with the center of the wheel, connecting with the center of the hub. And, you know, we have this eternal spirit, potentially, if you can think about it in that way with, and we have this, this turning that just, there's going to be change, you know, yeah. but, but the spirit remains. So not getting on. caught up in the up and down and just exactly holding steady, regardless of what's going on around you. Yeah, right. I remember those talks, for yeah. sure. It was intense. Yeah. So then we have a hexagram. Uh, we have hexagram number nine, which is called small accumulation, the taming power of the small, restraint of the powerful by the weak, small farming, taking care of the little things, using gentleness and friendly persuasion, temporarily being held back, but the rain will come. I think that's the key in essence with this is uh, many of the translations of the I Ching says dense clouds, but no rain, right? Where that that feeling of almost like the pregnancy of the pearl, right? Like where we're, we're we're taking that sand, we're turning it into something, but it's not there yet. It's, it's, you know, behind the scenes. And I think that that might be what we're experiencing here too. Um, there's a changing line moving from nine to number 61. Number 61 is inner truth, inner sincerity, inner faithfulness, confidence, conformity between what is inside and outside. I think that's important with this this full moon as well, like saying, okay, who, who are we and how are we going to express that authentically? And you and I took some steps towards that today by, you know, saying, well, here's our position and yeah. I can see the other position, but you know, <laughs> still love you. <laughs> like, uh, so line number three says cart and axle separate husband and wife roll their eyes at each other. So th this is an interesting one because this is where we may have some difficulty coming to a consensus reality. We may have that feeling of being blocked and not being able to, to really come to that agreement. This may be the agree to disagree line yeah. on some level. Um, and so I wrote down in my notes, a danger of overconfidence leading to potential setbacks, events out of your control creating difficulties. That's, that's something that I think that I'm, I really want to hear your thoughts on this. I'll say we could talk all day. I know we got to get going here, but uh, what do you think about people feeling suffering of just feeling helpless because of the collective events, right? And reacting to that. And how do we come to terms with that? I mean, that's a, that's a phenomenon in psychology, learned helplessness. Like you keep trying to do something and it's not working. So you end up just giving up no matter how much something's triggering you, you just don't react anymore. Um, so that, that's definitely a fear. Um, but I, I, don't, I, I don't necessarily see that playing out in the collective, at least not with everyone. There's clearly people voicing their opinions still and fighting back um, yeah. regardless of, of what they're fighting for. Yeah. Um, so well, I, could, I could see that being as how do we react as a culture to what we consider could consider a force of nature too. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that's something I've been meditating a lot about is how can we sometimes 
either surrender or accept that there are things that are out of our control and that are bigger than us and the humility that that takes rather than the hubris of thinking that we're always in control and we're always you know that we always have to do something does that does that make sense yeah and surrendering doesn't necessarily mean accepting it and not right. doing anything about it right. surrendering is um i'm accepting the situation but i'm still going to be myself and participate right. and and hopefully it leads to something good totally. and and it has that hope as well totally and, and just a few other notes here is saying that sometimes small things may loom larger than expected uh, so we could some petty annoyance like a grain of sand could really turn into something challenging around this period of time um i wrote down forcing matters might lead to an unpleasant rebuff um, the wheels falling off a project or a relationship not seeing eye to eye too much in emotional intensity like alfard could could be make it difficult to sustain positive communication and then the turnaround with this what can we do about this energy? Return to your inner truth, return to your sincerity, express your authentic self while also respecting someone else's authentic authenticity uh, and their ability to express that. Exercise caution and return to humility. Gather information, discuss situations with others. Sometimes you have to hear someone out to be able to get to that point of agreement. And then, you know, be open to the viewpoints of others. L listening is a really important skill that um, hopefully we can get back to as a, as a community. Well, Dulcie, this has been really fun and a pleasure. <laughs> and I, I really love chatting with you and I, uh, love studying astrology with you and I'm everybody go check out, uh, astrology, Victoria. Where is the best place that we can find you, Dulcie? Yeah, um, I'm running the Facebook uh, group. So if you just type in Astrology Victoria, um, you could add the BC, but I don't think it really matters. Um, okay. We post all of our events there. We're also on Meetup, Instagram. I have, you know, I made it. I put effort into it and I forget about it sometimes. So I'm sorry for people who are following that. But uh, yeah, it, it, Facebook is generally where I'm, I'm focusing my energy. Okay. So reach out, Astrology Victoria, um, lots of great events. Check oh, out their YouTube channel, right? What's your YouTube channel? Uh, same, Astrology Victoria BC, BC. And there's a lot of great forecasts on that, on that channel as well. You do a weekly, correct? Yeah, we've been yeah. doing it, like making a presentation and everything. It's super fun. Nice. <laughs> Very good. Okay. So thank you, Dulcie. Thank you, everyone that has joined us here today. Uh, please do me a huge favor if you're still listening, hit that like button. If you are still uh, not subscribed to the channel, if you want to get updates, please join us and subscribe. I also have a newsletter if you want to get updates on future webinars and live streams. So I think that's going to do it for me today. I hope that all of you will, will join me for the decans of Aquarius. If you didn't get enough Aquarius today, uh, this yeah. upcoming weekend. Um, please be kind to one another as you, you go through these challenging waters and um, try to try to listen to one another and see multiple perspectives, but also, you know, be true to yourself and let your, your light shine as well. Thank you, everyone, for being here today. Thank you, Dulcie. And um, we will we will see you the next time. Take care, Thanks. everyone. Peace. Bye.